This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This podcast is sponsored by NordVPN, the virtual private network which allows fans to watch football games, films and TV shows that aren't available in your region. It even saves on travel costs, so if you're planning on travelling with the family or to watch the Amazon Europe, NordVPN allows you to purchase flights and hotels from different locations across the world and that will save you a few quid. Maybe you're a bit of a shady character and whatever you're up to, you want to give yourself the best possible chance of not getting caught. Whatever the scenario, NordVPN provide high-level protection for your data and personal information wherever you are in the world and boast the fastest virtual private network in the world. So no buffering and no lagging. So for less than a pint or a cup of coffee per month, you fans can watch all the games you want live from the comfort of your own sofa. Visit nordvpn.com forward slash westhamway to get your exclusive discount plus four months free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com forward slash westhamway. You're listening to the West Hamway podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Hamway podcast with myself, Dave Walker, an XWH employee. This week we reveal the results of the official, unofficial West Hamway end of season awards ads voted for by patrons, get the latest news from X and answer questions from patrons of the West Hamway. Last week we discussed our thoughts on who the award winners should be. Now it's time to see what the patrons are saying. Over to you, mate. So the patrons may know the results to these because unfortunately, whilst a number of you suggested it as to do, it isn't an option on Patreon, unfortunately, that once you voted, you can see what the other votes are. So it might not be much of a surprise to, to everyone, but for those of <laughs> you that haven't seen the polls, then obviously it'll be news to you. So the, fir- the first one we did was Player of the Year, um, and uh, it was a unanimous winner, as as to be expected, although slightly interesting for second place. Um, so the, the winner with 87% of the votes was Declan Rison. Wow. So I don't think, like... That's going to shock anyone. I mean, maybe the percentage of vote might have done, but yeah, mm. hands down winner, Declan Rice. And then it was very close for second place between Bowen, 
Ben Rama and Packeter, and now Ben Rama actually won runner up in the official Hammer of the Year, but in our patron Hammer of the Year, it was Packeter. Was it got, really? Yeah, Packeter got 5%, Ben Rama got 4%, and Boeing got 3%. I mean, so we're only talking a difference of. You know, a handful of votes there, but yeah, Packeter got second place and Ben Rama third. Packeter is just an unbelievable player, isn't he? And in recent times, he has shown the real quality that we paid the money for, but it, it took him a long time to get there, which is why it sort of surprised me a little bit. Um, whereas Benny's been outstanding at times, then would go missing and sometimes wouldn't be selected. And, and Jared has taken some time to, to come to the forefront. But one thing that you can never question about Jared is, number one, his availability, and number two, his effort levels and his work rate has been consistent. So he hasn't always been there with the assists and the goals, but he's always given 110%. And that's why I thought that might just get him over the line. But uh, it's gone to Lucas, which really and truly just goes to show how much everyone loves him, really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I I was surprised because, like you say, it took a bit of time for him to get into this swing of things. And obviously, there was a period when he was injured, and I think he, he took a while to get going. But when he did get going, he showed his class and showed why mm. we spent the money that we did. And you know, Ben Rama got was was who I thought it would go to. And I think over the year, he's produced some brilliant moments. He's yeah. just very, he's just very sort of inconsistent at times, isn't he? Like some games he's like world-class and others he sort of makes the wrong choices at times. So I think I think that's probably why Packers just edged it, maybe because of the, the recent months where he's probably had more of an impact and it's more fresh in people's minds, I guess. Yeah, no, it does make sense. And it also makes sense that uh, Dex should have comfortably won that. I mean, what a fairy tale ending for him as well. Um, yeah. Just an incredible player who's had another incredible season. So, okay, interesting stuff. What about the next one, mate? So the next one was the best goalkeeper of the season. I must admit, I didn't expect it to be this um, land, this much of a landslide, but um, Fabianski got 81% of the vote and Ariola got 19% of the vote. Yeah, I think we had a little bit of a debate on this, but I, I, I sided, I believe, with Fabianski last week because I, I genuinely believe that he hasn't actually got the credit he's deserved in certain games, in my opinion. And I think generally, whilst there's been the odd ricket, and there is in every goalkeeper, generally speaking, I think he's he's a pair of safe hands myself. And I, I'm surprised at the percentage levels because, I don't know, again, I would have thought that maybe, because we're still basking in the glory and the romance of, of Prague, um, that might have edged a few more percentage uh, Areola's way, but... Yeah, listen, I, I agree with Fabianski being a winner, but the percentage is a little bit of an eyebrow raiser for me. Yeah, I was surprised at percentages, as, as you say, because I think Fabianski has been, I'd say he's been better this year than last, probably, and I think he he, he is a mm. solid goalkeeper, and I'm I'm glad that he's got another year, um, and uh, and I think he's been a great servant for the club. However, I, I, I thought Ariola was very good in Europe as well. Um, obviously, it's a lot maybe easier. The, like, like we said before, the standard of opposition, there have been some games where Ariola wouldn't have had to do much. Um, but yeah, I didn't think it'd be that different, but I would have probably just gone with Fabianski, I think, but I didn't think that many would have as well. Um, and this is an interesting one, it's the best defender, um, and it's literally between two 
defenders. I put mm. every defender that's played for us pretty much this season. Um, and, you know, Shafal came third, but he only got 2%. Um, Kerry got 1%. Emerson got 1%. Ogbonna got 1%. Cresswell and Johnson got 0%. So it's a two-horse race between the Gwerd and Zuma. And I'm going to ask you to have a guess at which one you think won it. Oh, so I haven't seen these results purposely um, for the sake of conversation here. Uh, I mean, firstly, I'll say, you know, when you look at the likes of, of, of Lucas and the percentages he got as a latecomer to the party, really, in terms of what he's delivered, I'm surprised that we didn't see a little bit more from Emerson because I think he's 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 been very good in recent times. Uh, and I think Carer has come into his own in recent times. So I'm, I'm surprised to see that there isn't a little bit more percentages for those players. This is a this is a difficult one because you know we were missing Aguerd for quite a while, so Zuma has been more readily available, and uh, there has injuries as well. Yeah, yeah, he has, but he hasn't missed as much as Aguerd, has he? No. Oh, I don't know because there's been the odd ricket in Aguerd as well. This is a tough one, this you know. Right, okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Aguerd. No, it was Zuma. Was and it? A, yeah, Zuma got 57% and Aguerd got 38%. Wow. So just mm. quite a comfortable margin then, really, yeah, in yeah. Zuma's favour. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not going to I'm not going to argue it, to be fair, because, again, I think he's been consistent for us. But, I, again, I'm, I'm quite surprised on the percentages there because whilst he, he has had the old ricket in him and he has been unavailable for a longer period of time, Aguerd, I still think he's a top-class player, you know. Him alongside Paqueta are probably the two players that I think will come into their own next season. I'm really excited to see them. Now they've yeah. got a season under their belt. Um, but yeah, no, listen, I, 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 for me, it would have been a close call, closer than the patrons have given it. But there'll be no arguments from me because, again, I think Kurt's been good this season as well. Yeah, um, I think next year the key to our success is keeping the two of them fit. Yes. Um, you know, if we could just keep them, because throughout the season, it was almost like they alternated who was going to be injured. Now, if we can sort mm. of keep them fit, like, you know, even in the final, Zuma had to go off, didn't they? So you, you think if they could both stay fit, um, that'd be essential for another, uh, a successful season, having those two. And I think, as you say, another year um, for a Gwed in the league will only improve him, I think. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, don't, I don't think I've um, I fully appreciated some of the time out that Zuma's had, you know, because I think it's been more sporadic rather than a big chunk of time missing like it was with the Gwed. <laughs> But he has actually missed some game time, hasn't he, Kurt? Yeah, he had a couple of like knee injuries, didn't he? I mean, there was the one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he can't, the thing with Zuma is that he's always predicted to be out for longer than he is because he makes a quick recovery. And yeah, true. So you get the whole, oh, he's going to be out for five months and then he comes mm. back quicker. Within a week. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so you kind of like think, wow, um, he's been out Fraser, but he has missed a fair few games. And that's why. You know, Bonner's done well this year. You know, he's he's came in mm. when needed, and he's thirty four, thirty five. Mm. He's came in when needed, and you know, and I think he's um, I think he's been a bit of a sort of unsung hero, stepping in when needed to, mm. to shore up that defence. Um, so yeah, I mean, this this award actually knowing who we was voted for as a hammer of the year, or patron hammer of the year, um, is a bit pointless now, and it actually says beat midfielders. I didn't notice that typo, but. Uh, it's, 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 uh, it's, uh, I've, got, I've got, got all ghetto on, uh, on us yeah. all of a sudden. Um, um, uh, the, uh, 
best midfielder, I should say. Like the best beatboxer yeah, in the exactly. midfield. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the most, I mean, Rice got 91%, the Piquetta got 9%. Uh, with the midfielders, yeah. I tried to put it as not attacking wingers, if that makes sense. Like yes, yeah. But Bowen and Ben Rama as attackers, and obviously this is your more sort of, as it says on the tin, in the midfield, in the middle of the park. So, yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious that one Rice mm. smashed it and Piquet's a second. Mm. Yeah, I can't complain with that at all. I think that's uh, fair. I think that's fair. Yeah, so this is an interesting one. Best attacker, uh, best attacking player of the season. Um, and in third place was Antonio with 3%. Now, bearing in mind, Antonio scored a lot of crucial goals. Yeah. He's, our, he's our all-time Premier League goal scorer. He's our, like, you know, uh, top scorer in the last, uh, in the last, in the last millennium or something like that. And, you know, it's, it, he's got hold so many scoring statistics for us. Yeah, only picked up 3% of the vote. Um, and then, it, then Bowen, which which is odd because if you think for Patreon Player of the Year, I guess most of the votes went to to Rice, which is why it was so close for the others. But in this one, Bowen came second with thirty five percent, and Ben Rama came first with sixty one percent. Wow! Again, those percentages surprise me for the reasons you've given with Mickey first and foremost. I don't know. I think it just goes to show how much West Ham fans love Ben Rama as well. I mean, to a point where I think possibly, possibly we overlook the inconsistency a little bit because we love him so much. And on his day, he is a well-beater and he is likeable and he has scored some important goals. I mean, he scored one in the cup final for a start. Um, but I don't know. I just, for me, I don't know. I don't know if we possibly underappreciating what Jared does off the ball. And like I said, his work rate, I think is phenomenal. Um, so I'm a little bit surprised at that. But, you know, if we can get consistency out of Benny next season, honestly, you've got an absolute world beater on your hands. So mm-hmm. let's just hope we see that, you know, because I can understand the frustrations from Moise's perspective, to be fair. And we both had conversations on this show about how he was wrong digging him out publicly, which I still stand by. But it's obviously fueled by the frustrations he's got, because if he can just tweak a few little areas in terms of maybe some of his defensive responsibilities and his consistency and his decision-making. Um, then we've got one hell of a player on our hands. Maybe well, one that wouldn't be at West Ham <laughs> if well, yeah. we did have a player like that. So I don't know. But yeah, slightly surprised at the percentages again. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's a toss of a coin, really, between Bowen and, and Ben Rama, both great players. Um, so, yeah, maybe you can't argue with, with Benny coming out on top. What's going to be interesting for Benny in his future is that, I mean, I'll go into more detail on this in my section, but categorically, West Ham are interested in Harvey Barnes. So then you question, yeah. where, where does that leave Ben Rama? You know, you're yeah. not going to drop Bowen. Bowen is the, I mean, if Declan goes, Bowen's going to be our main man, I think. And um, therefore, it would suggest that it's Ben Rama that he's looking to, to replace it, or, you know, you could argue he's going to move into a more central role, or even try and do an Antonio and convert him as a striker, because we know Moyes likes to, to do that, but essentially, by looking at Ben Rama, we know that um, we know that uh, he um, is, uh, you know, I'm sorry, by looking at Barnes, we know that he is thinking about strengthening those wing positions. Well, and easy potentially thinking about Listening to offers for Benny, because I'm not being funny. Let's say we sign Harvey Barnes tomorrow and he isn't looking to convert him in any other position than on the left wing. Then we've got four left wingers there. Yeah. You've got Harvey Barnes, Ben Rama, 
Um, Fournells, I know he can play centrally, but he spends a lot of time on that wing. And Maxwell Cornet, I mean, what does it mean for him? We yeah. don't need four wingers at, no. the, at the football club. And I, and I can't imagine that all four of those lads are going to be happy competing against three other wingers for a first-team spot. So whilst I'm a big believer in squad rotation and it's going to be another long season for us, I don't know. I don't know what his thoughts are. I don't know if he don't fancy Cornet anymore. He's looked to move him on maybe and maybe use Ben Rama as more of a rotation or whether he's, he's potentially going to get more money for Ben Rama so he'd look to get him out. I mean, Harvey Barnes is definitely more of a Moyes player. There's no question about it. He's very similar to Bowen in terms of his industrial qualities. Um, but yeah, it's a little bit of a watch that space, I think, in, in that area of the pitch. Yeah, definitely. Um, so moving on to goal of the season, uh, this one was an interesting one. I think people were split in terms of the sentiment and the actual technique of the goal because I put quite a few options. Um, some of them didn't get any votes. I mean, for example, Bowen at home to Larnaca, where he did that header, which was outside like, on the edge of the box, which was really good. That yeah. got that got no votes. Surprisingly, Scamaca at home to Wolves, which was a a touch up, and then a, he sort of like volleyed it on on the half volley into the corner, which I thought was a great goal. And he yeah, got two, only got two percent of the votes. You know, four nails at Bournemouth, the scissor kick, scorpion kick thing, got mm. 3%. For now, it's at Alkmaar, and he got 3%. And then we go into third place, and, and third place was Pakatar at home to Liverpool. Great little interchange, and then a, mm. a good finish from outside the box. And then this is the one I voted for, and I'm surprised it came second, but I can understand why it came second. Um, was Rice at home to Ghent, where he picked That's up what I and, voted for. Yeah, yeah. and that, that came goal. second with 21%. And then Bowen's go in the final, got 60%. And I think whilst it was a good goal, I think obviously the sentimental value of that goal has pushed that to win that award. Well, what really shocks me about this is you're quite right. It's difficult to choose this goal based on quality of the goal and sentiment, right? But if you're going to try your best to merge the two and then make a decision, it blows me away that Fournau's only got 3% out, Mark. Because that's the cup semi-final. That goal got us to the final. That, that, that secured our place. We knew it was done and dusted then. And there was absolute limbs in the stadium, euphoric moment, knowing that we were going to Prague. And on top of that, it was a bloody good goal as well. So to get 3%, I think that's quite shocking, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, again, I can understand the reasons that, that, that Boeing won it. Um, but if we're talking about purely, purely, the quality of a goal, uh, I stand by Dex against Ghent. But if you're looking for the full package, I can understand it with Boeing. I can't understand 3% for four hours against Alkmaar when you look collectively of, of what we saw that night. But there you go. This is the Patreon's vote, not ours. It is. No, exactly. It is. And uh, they'll get a nice shiny graphic made of each of, uh, of their <laughs> voting winners. So it's uh, quite, quite serious business, this. Um, yeah. So the most frustrating <laughs> thing, the votes are a bit more widespread with this with this award um selling dawson and no official fan zone from the club picked up two percent of the awards aguerd's injury picked up three percent um then in fourth place the conference final ticket allocation got six percent new signings taking time to settle in came third with seven percent in second place was VAR with 18%. I know. And then the winner by 61%, quite a wow. big majority, was negative tactics and style of football. 
Now, this has really surprised me, right? Mm. Because when we recorded the podcast last week, we're still we're still dancing in the euphoria of Prague and it's still fresh. It still feels fresh now, by the way. I think about it every day, the fact that we're European champions and I get flashbacks to that night and I'm I'm still, I don't think I'm ever going to come down from it, to be honest. But the reason I'm saying this is I almost felt a bit dirty giving my answer as the most frustrating thing being Moise's negative style of, of play. And the reason I gave for it was because it was over a longer period of the season but I expected to put my tin hat on a little bit for saying that because, you know, I'm, I'm making that comment on the back of us just winning a European trophy. So I actually didn't really expect that to be in the top three. So for it to not only be number one, but actually with a substantial amount of percentage is a little bit of an eyebrow raiser, I think. I don't know. Was you surprised by that or not? I, w- I was surprised as well. Like you say, on the back of us just winning something, uh, I, I was surprised it was so high. I guess the other way to look at it is if you're a Moyes out, so to speak, if that's the right way to call them, you're going to vote that one over anything because you're so Moyes is out. I'm going to vote for that one. All the others are frustrating things, but they're not. But a Moyes inner, so to speak, could have a mixed opinion on those. Like one might think, you know, VAR, one might think the final tickets, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And it would have affected people that are Moyes in, shall we say, in different ways. Whereas if you were as anti-Moyes as a lot of people were for large periods of the season, then that's the only one that kind of specifically is anti-Moyes as such. So I almost see it as like, I'll describe like the, the anti-boys brigade have all voted that one. The in-boys brigade have spread their votes out. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, no, it does make sense what you're saying. It does. And that, and um, that could kind of explain why it's a bit like that. But Possibly. I mean, it's a massive season for David Moyes, this, because if you're going to be the manager of West Ham and you have the philosophy that he's got and you concentrate more defensively, despite the players that you've got, we can live with that if you get results. And you're, you're achieving something like he did towards the end of last season, right? He, he managed to, to get some results, not necessarily playing the best style of football. And then he won a European trophy. I don't think anyone's going to complain. The problem is, is if he don't get results and you're playing that style of football yeah. and he doesn't get anywhere near European qualification and we do go out the Europa League, we don't get out the group stages, for example, and we're not within a sniff of another trophy. That's when it's going to start coming on top. So it's a very, very big season for him. Very big season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a massive season because A, he's only got a one-year contract anyway. So, yeah, you know, yeah. that's going to be a factor. And, and B, like you say, it, if if we have another season where we struggle in the league... You then you can kind of compensate it by the fact that we won a trophy at the end of it. If this season we struggled in the league and then didn't win a trophy at the end of it, you kind of say, well, yeah, you know, he's not got, this is two years in a row now that we've struggled, but, but the difference with this year is that we've got nothing to show at the end of it. So yeah. it would be a very, very, very big season for him, definitely. And I, and I, I think, I think it's right for him to have this season. I know we haven't we haven't really debated it as such because we're waiting for the decision. I think it is the right decision for him to stay on this year, but it, it has to be one which is fine because he's got a year left, so it is going to be reviewed. But it's one that we have to make sure that we have a succession plan, not like before where we were mm. just like 
<coughs> oh, there's no one to replace him. We need to make sure that we've mm. thought about there being someone to replace him if it doesn't work. I think the problem Moyes had this year is that he tried to change to a style of football to be more attacking and more West Ham way or whatever than, than previously, and it backfired. You know, he brought in Skamaka, Pakita, players like that that were going to, Emerson maybe, Corne, that were going to bring in more sort of flair to the, to the squad. But then he realised that it just doesn't, that's just not how he plays. It's not how he's comfortable playing. So then when he switched back to being more counter-attacking, less possession-based, we actually started to play better. If I if I was to advise David Moyes, I'd just say go back to your roots, go back to your what you what you what you were good at, and that's that's negative football. Sounds like the wrong thing to say, but that's <laughs> that's like that's uh, counter attacking football. That's playing, you know, take absorbing the pressure and then hitting people on the attack. Do that, and if we get results, then no one's going to complain. There will be people that still complain because you'll never please everyone. But as you say, if West Ham are still winning. You'd take West Ham winning over pre-football. I don't think, mate, if I'm honest with you, exciting football actually exists that much anymore anyway, if I'm honest with you, across the Football League. Because what they do, even if you take Manchester City, which everyone says, oh, Pep plays amazing football and what a masterpiece, he, what a ma- like master coach he is. Um, when you watch his side, they play it back and forth, back and forth, back and forth between the defenders, goalkeeper, midfielder, defender, goalkeeper. I don't find that exciting. Yes, it might be pure football, as in your passing, your holding on to possession and it might like you know be described as pure football ticker tacker or whatever but if you're not going anywhere I'd almost rather go back to the old Wimbledon days where they used to just hoof it up to John Fashionu he'd head it down and someone would have a shot it's more exciting than just passing it around in defence. And I'm not sure this kind of like exciting football really exists. The exciting football now is high pressured, high-paced football, like, you know, hitting people on the counter, running at them. And I think if we can get Bowen and Barnes or whoever doing that, then then that is as exciting as it gets nowadays. Mm, no, I'm not sure I agree with that. I mean, it's a bold statement to say, you know, if, if it's not going to go anywhere. I mean, they just want to treble on the back of their style of play. Yeah, so, I, I mean, it, it obviously goes somewhere. Yeah, and I, I, I know. But, uh, but they, they, it does go somewhere eventually when they give it, you know, when it gets to De Bruyne and he does his skill, you play it through to Haaland. It just takes so long to bloody get there. And obviously it's effective and they've got the they've got the players to do it, which we haven't necessarily. They've got world-class players in every position. So, yeah, maybe using Man City is not the best example because you know it's obviously effective for them but those teams that I don't know try to play amazing football and just don't really go anywhere that's not for me yeah again I think it it depends on it depends on 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 why they do it as well obviously they want to control possession they want to they want to um run the opposition ragged, so they want to wear them out. But what I like about their style of play is that Pep's obviously instilled into them, don't just panic pass, look for the right pass. And if you have to keep hold of the ball for 10 minutes until that right pass comes along, hold on to the ball. Because the whole time we've got the ball, we won't concede goals. So I, I, I like that. And I think it, it's, it relaxes the players. It takes the intensity out of it a little bit because you're always in control. And one thing, and without, we don't have a pop at David Moyes, but this is where I think he's a bit limited as a manager, is he's tried the attacking philosophy and it didn't work, right? I'm not, not quite sure why it didn't, to be honest. Um, so he's going back to this defensive counter-attacking style, which, which isn't great to watch. Um, but if you're getting the results, we don't mind. What I don't understand is, why you can't adapt your philosophy 
depending on who you're playing. Because I understand adopting uh, the, uh, the the defensive um, aspects of play, inviting pressure, then trying to break an account attack and nicking a goal when you're playing against a top four or five side. Because that makes sense. You're not going to go gun-o against Man City. It makes sense to be more reserved in that approach. But when you're playing the likes of, like we did last season, Southampton, Bournemouth, Fulham, I know we nicked the wins. I know we did. And you can say that's all that matters. But in terms of your approach to the game, I don't understand why it has to be the same defensive mentality, regardless of who you're playing. Yeah, and that's, that's where fair. I think he's quite limited. Because yeah, that's fair. And it also, and, and, and the backdrop of that X is it, it also makes us very predictable. So yes. when opposition are playing against us and they're sitting in their hotel rooms and they're, and they're talking about, right, this is how West Ham set up. It's not even like they're taking a punt. You know that's how we're going to set up. So you can dissect West Ham very easily because we do the same thing every week, regardless who we play. And that is my frustration. And that is why I voted for David Moyes' negative tactics to be the most frustrating thing because it was over such a prolonged period of time that now I think makes us very predictable. And I don't know where that will take us next season. And that's my worry. If we get results, I don't care. But will we get those results being as predictable as I think we now are? You know, that's my worry. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. What you said there is fair. I mean, when we went to Liverpool, for example, at Anfield, they were they were there for the taking, yet we were too negative. There's been other... Yes, good example. Been, yeah, yeah. there's been other occasions when that's been the case as well. And so I do agree with what you're saying there. I think particularly when we play the bigger teams, um, the top six, we try to be um, absorbent and it just doesn't work. So I do... I do yeah, I agree with what you're saying there, that we should vary our tactics based upon the opposition. But I think, yeah, Moyes knows what worked towards the end of the season. You know, he beat Manchester United. He drew with Arsenal, did well against Man City for the first half until their quality came in, won the European Cup. So, yeah. so yeah. He, he's shown that he... No, and I think, actually, and it comes up in the question section, I actually think he was very tactically astute, as we said before in the podcast, in the final... And I think if he mm, can just do mm. those things, then then that's what he has to do going, going forward. He's definitely to yes. manage it yeah. that way. If funnily underneath the um underneath this poll, a couple of people suggested I should have put uh how did they word it? Um negativity of fans, which had I put that mm. in there, that could have been interesting because that would have given the sort of mm. um anti moy uh, sorry, the pro moys people their anti their way of going against the anti boys people if that makes sense but I didn't put it in because I didn't want to always focus on that because we've focused on that quite a lot this year so yeah mm. but with hindsight it'd have been good if I did put that in um, so young player of the year an absolute landslide in here second place I mean I put in loads of players second place was Oliver Skulls who obviously got man of the match <clears throat> when playing. Uh, in that European game in Romania and scored, didn't he, as well? I mean, and he was brilliant and got mad at the match, so he got 6%. But I think there can only be one winner because he's the one that's had the most impact on the first team. Might not necessarily have had the most impact in the under-18s, who obviously had an amazing season. You know, if you're looking for under-18s, you could look at Callum Marshall or um, Lewis Orford or George Earthy or, you know, people like that, Ryan Barch and Patrick Kelly. Um, that's why I put these guys in, um, KC. But in terms of impact on the first team, the only one that's really had a proper impact on the first team is Obama, and he got 88% of it. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, that is a landslide, and rightfully so. I'm just interested to see next season how much he will feature, because, you know, how old is he now, X? Um, well, he plays for the under-18s, doesn't he? So he can't be that older. So a quick look, he must be, what, 19 at oldest, I'm guessing. So, so a quick look. Um, it's in his name, I spelt it wrong. And um, uh, so that came up, looks nothing like him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was waiting um, for you to say, he's 43, I didn't realise yeah. he was that old. No, he's, he's, <laughs> he's 18, he's 19 in October. Yeah, I mean, if you look at him physically... He's at, a, he's at the growth level he should be, you know, because he's, yeah. he's a bit of a lump. He's strong. That's good. So it's not as if you've got to wait a little bit more for him to bulk out. He's ready in that respect. I've said before, one thing that really impresses me about him is his composure. I almost think you could put Mabama in, you know, the World Cup final and he will just have the same aura about him. And I love yeah. that. And I think that will take him a long way. Psychologically, mm-hmm. it's so important to have that composure. So again, psychologically and physically, you'd like to think he's ticking boxes to be ready to contribute to the first team more so next season. And if so, will that play a part in what Moyes might recruit up front? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I think, I think he's, sorry about the loud bird outside. I don't know if that's coming across on that. <laughs> the bird agrees with me. Does. Yeah, it definitely does. Uh, there you go, did you hear it? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a loud bird, that uh, is. It's funny, it's, uh, I'm not a bird expert, but it's a sparrow, I think, so it's got a pretty good set of lungs on it there, but uh, yeah. <laughs> you moved yeah, into Bill Oddie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't think birds double that. You sure? Birds. I thought it sounded like a chaffinch, personally. Yeah, no, it's not, well, I don't, to be fair, that's actually not a chaffinch, it's like, so I have, I was, my knowledge is a, pretty much is a sparrow, although it did look quite big for a sparrow, who knows, so I have to look it up, um, but um, I think it was a sparrow, but anyway, um, they, um, yeah, I think he will have it. See, the, the theme with him is he, I don't know whether Moyes will decide he needs a year on loan, which is often what they do with these players. I know they didn't with Declan, but most academy players have a year on loan. A, a club, you know, even you know, Noble had it, Rio Ferdinand, Jermaine Defoe, Frank Lampard, you know, they all had loan spells. Michael Carrick, he hasn't had a loan spell yet, so he's not really had a chance to sort of feature um like uh, um with a regular set of games behind him and obviously he's 18 is that too young to make the step up if you're young enough you're good if you're good enough you're young enough or whatever the phrase is you're old enough you're good enough you're old enough um, that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know i was all over the place i'm like watching a tennis match this it sounds like a philip schofield <laughs> phrase the first time but um, yeah uh, <laughs> he'll use that uh, one in court no doubt. Yeah, yeah exactly but um, yeah this um yeah i think i think he's good enough to be in the first team but i've got a feeling this is just my feeling this is not itk knowledge it would depend on what happens with the other strike because obviously there's doubts over the futures of Antonio Scamica and Evenings. Um, so it will depend on their future and who we bring in. I would be comfortable with him being on the suspension, being an option for us, but it's whether Moyes will feel for his development he needs a year on loan, maybe to a championship side, go there, prove yourself, get a good goals return, and then be ready to push for the first team. I don't know, but um, personally, yeah. if it yeah. was me, I would keep him. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Yeah, I mean, because we're playing a lot of games this season. You see, yeah, so yeah, you know Europe, there will be yeah. games that are, that are perfect for him. So there'll yeah. be you know Europe, the early stages of the FA Cup, the League Cup. You know there'll be games where he can maybe come on if we're two new up for the last twenty minutes and sort of get that experience or add to it because he's already got it. Of course, playing in front of all those fans, um, a loan move would make sense, and it always makes sense as long as it's the right fucking loan move. Yeah, we've got to start getting those right. Here. Yeah, it, it's right. so it's so important because you can put a top quality striker into a, a, a side that's going to be struggling against relegation and championship. And his return on paper is going to be a load of shit because he's not getting the service. He's playing with a load of shit. Whereas if you put someone like Mabama into a, a championship side, maybe that's chasing promotion, even League One that's chasing promotion, they're one of the better sides, which means he will get chances. Um, then that, that's got to be the best move. But I worry with West Ham because you look at some of the loan moves that we, we put our kids through and they just seem pointless to me. I don't, there's so many of them. I just don't understand why we've put them out to them. So as long as the loan move makes sense, then I would get it. But also if we are going to put him out for a season and you know, you're the man to, to give us the latest on this, if we're going to lose Skamaka as well, then we are light up front again. Yes, I know exactly. Boeing can play there, but we've got a, 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 an aging Antonio and we're going to have to put a hell of a lot of reliance on him once again. So we're going to have to spend some money bringing someone else in if, if we're not going to use Mabama. And whilst I took a lot of stick for saying this at the time, and um, I, I always knew that Odebeku was never good enough from what I was told about um, about him and his technique and stuff, and obviously he's been released by, by West Ham. And I, mm. uh, I remember I said it on a podcast and then someone tweeted it out, as usual, um, uh, when we asked him not to, and then I got a load of stick for it. But he but he has proven that he wasn't um, uh, uh Good enough because he's been released by West Ham, but he had loan spells that weren't that weren't productive to him. Mm. You know, he was in a loan spell at Huddersfield where he made six appearances, and yes, they were Championship, but he was on a bench and didn't really feature. Then he went to Doncaster, and again, same thing happened. He scored two goals in sixteen games, and then last year he spent the uh, the like, the time on loan to Port Vale, where he scored three goals in twenty two games, and mm. you know, now and he's released by West Ham because those loan spells were so poor for him. He wasn't able to show himself that he was decent enough at, at the likes of Port Vale and Doncaster. So he's obviously not going to be good enough for West Ham and so no. they've let him go and you're right there's been other loan spells that just haven't worked out you know Dan Chester's you know went to um Colchester barely played there he was a highly rated midfielder now you don't really hear as much about him nowadays um Armstrong Oco Flex obviously he's been released now but he had yeah, I'm loan- surprised with that one you know because yeah. I've always been impressed with him when I've seen him yeah but he went to Swansea and then couldn't get off the bench so the, the, the thing is when you 
if you look at these loan spells as a way of as, of gauging whether they're good enough for the first mm. team at West Ham over a period of time, if you're not good enough to get into Swansea's, which is the championship team's first team, then you're not going to be good enough to get into West Ham's. By default, if, if you look at it that way, and um, and that unfortunately seems to be the case of him because he's also been released. And you know, you look at a number of our loan spells over. Over recently, is Connor Coventry is another. You know, he went to uh, uh, Peterborough and Peterborough in a relegation zone. They didn't play him. Thankfully mm. for thankfully for Connor, he went on. He had loan spells at Lincoln and he had a loan spell at Doncaster this year. I oh, know not Doncaster, Rotherham. Sorry, Rotherham. And he's proved himself at Rotherham. Apparently, I mean, I can't claim I watched any of the games, but re- listening to the reports and hearing what the club have said and stuff, he was one of their best players. And when he joined them, they're in the relegation zone. And when season finished, they were six points clear of it, I think. So he did his job and he went there. So he's done okay. But had that first loan been all that he'd been judged on, he'd have, he'd have been ruined as well. So it, we, we do have to, you're right, get these loan spells completely correct. We need to make it very clear. If Obama joins a club on loan, he has to be either their first or their second choice striker, and he has to be given games. If he's not given games, then he need, then there needs to be an option to recall him immediately. This mm. sort of not playing them on loans just doesn't help anyone. So yeah, we gotta no, get it, it right. And and it's the standard of the championship now is so good. When you look at the teams of the championship now. Obviously, you're missing the big teams like Manchester United and Arsenal that are rarely in the championship. But if you take those top six sides out of it, that that championship now could be the other half of the Premier League mm. you know, without the big mm. teams. You know, you look at some of the teams in that, you know, Blackburn and uh, West Brom and Leeds and yeah. for Wednesday, uh, you know, they, all the way through it, Middlesbrough, Sunderland, there's big teams throughout that league that have all played in the Premier League many times. Yeah. So if you go to the Championship and do well there, it's you know, there's not a huge amount of difference, let's be honest, between, you know, Luton and the teams now that are in the Championship. Obviously, because they've just come up with Bournemouth. You know, those, uh, those teams, there's not a huge amount of difference. And I think, um, I think it's... Um, I think it's important to get these loans um, correct. Well, well it, it's important for the loans to be correct because, of course, you know, these are still young men. So psychologically, they have to be protected as well. Yeah, you know, yeah. if, if you've got someone that's buzzing with confidence playing for West Ham, then gets loaned out to fucking, I don't know, fucking Rochdale or someone like that, and then for whatever reason can't settle or can't get off the bench and that affects how you are in training, so then you're not getting opportunities, then their confidence gets knocked and psychologically they might question their own self-belief. Um, so that's the one thing in terms of you have to get the loan right. But also I think it's important that if you loan a player out and he does well and that player comes back, I think you have to sit him down and manage some sort of an entrance plan into the squad. Because mm-hmm. it seems to me like sometimes someone can go on loan, smash it, come back into the squad and then just sort of disappears into oblivion again. Yeah. I think if you if you're if you're genuinely going to invest in a youngster, you've got to sit them down and say, right, we're going to send you here on loan. This is what we expect. This is what we want. Don't put yourself under too much pressure. Just try and give yourself experience. Try and enjoy yourself as best as you can. Then when you come back, we'll review that period. Um, and if it's successful we will sit down and try and work out a plan as to how we can integrate you into the squad and the sort of gains and opportunities that we will look to involve you in. I'm not I'm not sure if enough of those conversations happen. I mean if you look at the likes of Connor right. Coventry, who's gone away, right? Now, he's right. not he's not a kid anymore, Connor. 
he's so, 23. He's 23. So, you know, for Connor, what's his communication like with West Ham? Has Moisey told him where he stands? Because Connor, as much as he loves West Ham, he ain't going to want to rot in the background for too much longer. No. You know, I, so I, 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 really, I, I don't know. I really feel for Connor. Connor, you're right. You are right what you said. And I, no, I don't know how much communication there has been. So you're right. That is something that we definitely need to improve. And I feel for him because, you know, he's been on the brink of the first team for so many years. He gets told he needs to go on loan and show what he can do on loan. He goes on loans and all right. The Peterborough one didn't work out too well, but he did, did well at the other ones. He's done smashing it for, Ireland under-21s, although he's too old to play for them now. Um, and he was due to be in Ireland's national team, um, the first team, uh, this call-up, but he got a hamstring injury. So he's doing all that he can do on these loans, uh, and yet he still doesn't really know if he's got a chance at the first team or not. You're right, there needs to be a clear, like, if you do this, then this is what will happen, and a, like a, a plan of action. But it always, mm. as as always, in West Ham, it always seems a bit sort of loose. And, and, it does. And, and, and I don't think he really knows where he stands. I mean, at the moment, he's got a one-year contract at West Ham. He's a West Ham player. There's been no talk of him leaving as yet. But he's... Is he considered good enough by Moyes? You know, Moyes has loaned him out now a couple of times. He's 23. Is is he good enough to come into the, and play in the Premier League? I believe he is. Lots of people have questioned that, but we will never know until he gets the chance. But will he get the chance? I, I don't know. I, mm. I have to mm. see. And you're right. Our, lo- our loan handling is something that I think definitely needs to definitely needs to improve. It's like, yeah, it's it's not. The, the clubs they go to, and then the, and then when they come back, you're right, they just sort of go into oblivion. I mean, like, you know, as you say, Dan Chester's went on loan to Colchester, Cherry Nevres on loan to Bradford, was at Newport's now at Bradford, um, Joseph Anang went to Derby, he's back and on our bench, Nathan Trott was out in Denmark. What does that mean for these players? What's the mm. impact of them doing that? So, yeah, mm. you're right. Um, best kit... Um, this was 60% for the home, 25% for the away, and 15 for the third. I thought the third might get a little bit Yeah, I yeah. thought it might get a little bit more just because of the sentimental value of it being the one we wore in the final. But for me, that is the right order, I think. Yeah, I see what you're saying about the, the, the sentiments of the final with that third kit. But I actually, that aside, thought it'd get less because I, I don't, I'm not sure actually, personally, I've ever met anyone that likes it personally. So mm. for that reason, in my mind, I, I, I was quite surprised by that percentage. I thought it'd be a lot less, but I think in terms of the order of the vote, I think that's right. I like this home kit. I'm wearing it now as we record it. I, no. I really like it. I'm wearing no top because I'm too hot in my conservatory. <laughs> I'm in skins. You're in shirts. I'm in skins. <laughs> I'm going for an old school five aside match. It's shirts it versus skins. It is. I, I have to, mate. It's a sacrifice I have to make for this podcast. Sometimes I have to sit in my pants because the only place I've got to record it is my conservatory. And in this in this weather climate, it is absolutely boiling in here. Yeah, so, it's like greenhouse. Yeah. It is. It is. So I'm often recording podcast in my pants. That's an image That's for funny. all of you that have met me. Um, so this, uh, the, the best signing. Now, again, this is a landslide. Um, so I just put every signing that we made in the summer, including Ings, that we obviously signed in January. And there was only two people that got a vote. So in second place was a Gwerd, and he got 5%. And then the winner, and I know these percentages don't add up because uh, it only makes 98%. So the others obviously did get a vote, but not enough to trigger 
at 1%, but Piqueta got 93%. Wow. Yeah, it's incredible. It, but it just goes to show, you know, how much West Ham fans enjoy exciting football. Yeah, you know, true. You look at in the history of West Ham, we latch on and we idolise exciting football players, whether mm. it's Joe Cole or Paolo Di Canio or Dimitri Payet. These are the players that we love at West Ham. We, we know our football as West Ham fans and we get excited by exciting players. And that's exactly what Paqueta is. Yes, it's taken a long time for him to get there, I think. And at times we were, even on this podcast, wondering what we'd spent the money on at times. But he's now announced his arrival. He's settled. And I've said it so many times. I just can't wait to see him next season. He's such an exciting player. So, yeah, I'm not surprised um, that, that he's got the uh, the vote there. Maybe a little bit surprised that the percentages were that high, considering how long it took him to arrive at West Ham, if you like. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think you can argue with that. Very exciting player. Very exciting yeah, player. He's just, for me, what's exciting about him is not not only the obvious stuff, as in the, the through balls and the, the quality and the finishing and so on, but it's the fact that I believe he's the all-round package. Yes. I, mean, he's, I think he's very good defensively. He works yes. hard. He gets stuck in. He's got a strong mentality. You yeah. can even, you know, there's talks, and again, I'm going to go into this in my section more, there's question marks about who should be the captain next year. When you take all of that into account, I know obviously he doesn't speak the language 100% fluently, but that will come. It's not like he can't speak any English. He could argue he could, should be a contender for captain. He's also sitting in the centre of the park, which I always believe is the best position to be a captain in midfield because you can see it's, you're closer to everyone um, in that way. You play sort of almost every area of the pitch. So I, 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 I don't know. If, if I was to be told tomorrow that Lucas Pequeta is going to be the captain next year, I'd actually be quite excited about that. And I also think it might give him that kind of, that he's the sort of player that would play up to the responsibility as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I don't know too much about his communication. And, and whilst the players clearly like him and they respect him as a player, do they respect him as a leader? I don't know enough about him in terms of his qualities as a person as to whether he has those leadership skills. Um, if he does, then yeah, I, I totally I totally agree. Why not? But there is obviously a bit of a question mark now if Deck leaves as to who would get that armband. And it's it's a tough one to answer that. Because we're, mm. we're not laced with leaders in this squad. And again, that comes with its problems. Every club in football needs a leader. And ideally, more than one. Mm. Um, so, yeah. I mean, if you're potentially talking about giving the armband to someone who doesn't speak great English, I'm not too sure how well that would bode. Mm. Mm, I, I think his English is decent enough, though. Is it? I'm not sure, actually. Yeah. 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 Is it? Oh, well, if that's the case, then that's that's different. Then it comes down to how much the players respect him on a leadership level. And if they do, then, yeah, it makes sense. So this is the next award. This is most improved player. And I think sometimes with these awards, it's really hard because you don't know from what point you're talking. Like, obviously, most improved player could be since they first joined the club. It could be from the season before. It could even be from a couple of months before. So it's hard to set the parameter for this. And it's an award we've done for a while. Um, a couple of people said I should have put Kera in there as an option, which I didn't for me. Kerr has been a bit of a roller coaster. When he first came in, I thought he was really good. Then I thought he went for a dodgy spell. Then I thought he got good again. So it's hard to sort of say him as one because maybe I shouldn't put him in, but it's hard to put him as one because I think he started off good. 
if that mm. makes sense. Um, mm. So anyway, the options were Bowen, Benrahma, Antonio, Shafal, Cresswell, Fabianski, and Paqueta. And again, it's a landslide. Yeah. Um, Benrahma came second with 21%, and Paqueta came first with 75%. Yeah, I agree with that. There's not too much I can add. I mean, if you look at the fact that it took him so long to adjust at West Ham and show us what he was all about, to what we see now, the improvement is massive. I mean, there were genuinely weeks, X, where we were frustrated and concerned about this marquee signing that actually we didn't think was anything special. To what we now talk about when it comes to Lucas, it's just, it's an absolute gulf in difference. So I think it's a no-brainer for the most improved, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I think it it probably is because he has improved hugely throughout the season. Definitely, I mean, I I would argue Ben Rama, as I say, came second. I'd argue he is a lot better this year than he was last year. But then mm. I think we were saying last year that he had good moments too. So yeah, maybe maybe it is that is the right one. Definitely. Now this one's the one that surprised me the most, and I'm going to give my reason why I think. This person came second, but it still surprised me. So this is most missed. So it's the player that left us last season, either during the season like Dawson or at the start of the season like Yarmolenko. So the options were Yarmolenko, Martin, Fredericks, Noble, Diop, Dawson, Maserati. Um Yarmolenko came third with 1% of the vote, and it was a two-horse race between Noble and Dawson. And actually coming second was Noble with 42% and Dawson came first with 56% and that surprises me and the only reason I can think that Noble came second is that he's still kind of around the place we still see him on the pitch we still know he's doing a role at the club he's not completely washed his hands with West Ham and is now playing for someone else he's still involved at West Ham and obviously Dawson is now playing for Wolves which for most of the season obviously there or thereabouts with us in the league. So that might be why he won it. But for me, Noble should have won that ahead of Dawson. Yeah, that is interesting, actually. I wasn't expecting that. I mean, it's funny, you know, because you could argue if Dawson was still with us now and he would have been with us last season, would he start every week? Mm, because is he going to yeah. start over Aguerd and Zuma? So to, 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 to get a percentage like that over most missed with a player that actually with a fully fit squad wouldn't start for West Ham is a surprise, but then you could potentially apply the same to Mark Noble. If he mm. was with us a lot, um, this season as playing staff, would he have started? And mm. I, I don't think he would have. Well, he didn't towards the end of his last season. But again, it comes down to that leadership, the lack of leaders and what a leader Mark was on the pitch. And uh, if that goes now as well, we are seriously lacking leaders. And Mark was was massive in that respect. And to have him about the place in that dressing room, which I know he still is, but to actually be wearing the kit and be part of that match match day squad, um, you know, I I, I, I thought we we well, I, I miss him more than Craig Dawson. I think I mean we miss we miss Craig. I miss singing the song, and I miss him coming in when required and doing a great job. And he's like a classic old school defender. He'd throw his body on the line. I miss that, but I wouldn't start Craig if I had him. Um, <laughs> so I was quite surprised that he's won it on that basis. Um, but I don't know. Maybe what you're saying makes sense because Nobs is still around the place and he's had a positive influence. It almost subconsciously feels like he hasn't left us. So maybe yeah. that's the reason why. But that's an interesting one. I'm I'm quite surprised by that as well. 
Yeah, yeah, I was surprised, definitely. I, I miss Dawson as well. Um, and like you said, I miss the chart. I miss the, the sort of old-fashioned British centre-back style he had. Um, and I like yeah. the fact that he proved everyone wrong. You know, he had all those doubts when we signed him and then went on to be a fan favourite. So I definitely miss him. But obviously, Noble was a, a West Ham legend. Um, so mm. it seems funny to lose that. But as I say, I think it's because he's still... Lurking sounds like he's not wanted, but he's still he's still he's still he's still around the place and stuff. So it's like, uh, yeah, yeah. So maybe he he isn't um, he isn't as missed because of that. Um, most frustrating player. Now a lot of people said I should have put Ben Rather in this, and I didn't, which is funny considering you know he smashed the favourite attacker um, and he was like third in in the Player of the Year thing that we did. Most people said I should have put him in most frustrating player as well, and, uh, and admittedly I forgot. So maybe, maybe if I'd done it again, I would. But I, I did the award without him. And in third place uh, was Skamaka. Um, he beat Cornet. Cornet got nine percent. Skamaka got twelve percent. Um, and then Antonio was second with twenty percent. And Suchek, I'm afraid to say, Thomas, you took half the. Uh, <laughs> you took fifty <laughs> percent of the vote. Wow, fifty percent. That's incredible. Mm. And you know, it, it's. It, do you know what? It's almost like a bit of a a bit of a myth with Thomas Suchek, right? Because we, me and UX, have shared the same frustrations that the patrons have shared. Uh, so I'm not I'm not surprised as such with the percentage because we've all had a moan up about him and why he gets picked every single week and the, what, the fact that the goals have dried up and what is it with him and Moyes? Why does he keep getting picked, etc.? But I go back to the fact that some of the stats that you see with his off the ball work that maybe we've overlooked and mm. the fact that he's right up there in the league with most interceptions in the whole Premier League. I mean, that's that's a factual statistic. And I, I, it's really weird because I don't know if we're watching a different Thomas Suchek, but I don't tend to see all of this sort of stuff with him. And I don't know if it's just, I don't know. I, I can't really work it out, to be honest. It's almost like he is a presence and he gives more maybe than suggests to the, the naked eye. And that's yeah. why Moisey picks him. It, it, it's a it's a really strange one with Suchek because he must be doing something right to get those stats and be picked week in week out and now be a European champion. He must be doing something right. Yeah, well, someone said something very interesting to me uh, when they put it in the questions. I thought I thought they were spot on actually. When we all come to picking our our desired team for the final, who who we wants to play against Fiorentina, there was very 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 few people that wanted Suchet dropped. Mm. You know, myself included. You know, I've been I've been slating him all season, but when it came to who I thought should start in the final, he was in my team. Um, how much how much did Prague play a part in that though? That was a factor. That was definitely a factor. But but I would have put him in regardless of that because I just thought <clears throat> the midfield, Rice and Piquetta had been playing well recently. Yeah. As had the team. So like what you've just suggested there, maybe I was overlooking what he was actually doing because the fact that we were playing well, you couldn't play well if you had a passenger in midfield, like I think we've had at times with him. So... Maybe he was doing more off the ball, and you know that if you the ball was pumped into the box, um, but both ends, but particularly defensively, he is the best person in there to get his head on it and get it away. Yeah. And I think maybe I was that was a factor for me as well. And I and I look at it and I think I just, 
find him and frustrating is the right word and that's why he deserves to win this role of this award i find him so frustrating because I like him as a person. He's a great character. He's he he's loves being at West Ham. He's been a real positive influence since he's been at the the team, particularly that first season with his goals. But mm. as a presence around the place, he he clearly does offer something. But then when you look at it as a, a, a what football is, football is getting on the ball and doing things with the ball, as in passing and making runs and scoring goals and stuff. And he and he has statistics where he's touched the ball seven times in a whole half. And I mm. think, well, how can that be of any use to West Ham? But then, yeah, he's up there with some of the, the most interceptions. I mean, yeah. it, it's, that's what I mean. The whole the whole Thomas Suchek debate, <laughs> like him as a person, as a footballer, it's so strange because statistically, he's actually, apart from the fact that he's touched the ball seven, four times, seven times in a game, apart from that, he then counter-argues that by having the most interceptions. Or why then how, can that, how can that I, work? This is my though? point, Ed. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's the strangest thing, isn't it? Uh, because like, he's he made the interception <laughs> and he's touched the ball. Do you know what <laughs> I think? I think he's got a close friend that works at Sky that has yeah. made those adjustments to the stats. And he's like, uh, Frederick, do me a favor. Put me high up in the interceptions chat, please. Thank you. Unless, when it comes to actually recording these statistics, unless an interception doesn't count as touching the ball, but that would be stupid. Why yeah, would that? It's got, why, it's got uh, to yeah. count. Why would that <laughs> he's not touched count, the ball uh, four times in, in, in last Saturday's game. But he's uh, actually made fifty-seven interceptions, which yeah, exactly. is incredible, really. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. It just doesn't make sense. The the, 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 the ongoing saga of our yeah. of our Czech friend. Yeah, it is. Honestly, it, it's 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 almost like it's like a myth. It's like Jack the Ripper. You know, so many yeah. questions around Jack the Ripper. Who was he? How many people did he kill? Was he a policeman? Actually, you know, did anyone actually even see him? He's he's like he's got that aura about him, Suchek, where he must be doing something right, but no cunt can see it <laughs> unless you go onto Sky Sports and see that he's had like one of the most like outrageous match interceptions in the whole of the Premier League, but none yeah. of us have seen one of them. And, a... and actually, he only touches the ball once. <laughs> once <every time>. <laughs> <laughs> so much doesn't add up. It's, no. it's mental. It's mental. No. I will say this though, I. I don't have an ounce of frustration with Skamaka, and I don't think he should have had a single percent. Because if I'm honest, X, I don't think Skamaka was wrong for West Ham. I think West Ham was wrong for Skamaka. Well, what I think and, it's the, also the injuries as well. He's had these constant injuries that have kept him out as well. Yeah, yeah. But then do you know what, X? If he didn't have the injuries, I think he, he wouldn't have he wouldn't have played that much. I don't think. I just don't think Moisey fancies him. I don't think he fits the system. Another fucking player that don't fit the system that will probably go on to a, a top European club and win trophies now. So that's my frustration. My frustration lays with him not against him, and I'll be sorry to see him go if he goes. I really will. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you know what? Going back to Suchek, sorry, like, I think could be absolutely crucial for him now. Obviously, we've been linked with James Ward-Prowse, who everyone knows is basically like a quarterback. He's a, a set-piece a set deliverer that can mm. literally put it on a point for anyone, um, both in terms of penalties and free kicks on target, but also crosses into the box. If we sign James Ward-Prowse, he, he, with his delivery – 
we could start to see Suchek of old getting on the end of crosses and scoring more goals. And if and if yeah. we could do that, then that's a double reason for signing. Ward Prowse is not only do you get a, a good player in England international and a captain, because don't forget captain Southampton, which we need, you get someone like him in, you're not only going to do that, but I think it will improve um, Suchek. And, you know, there was lots of questions how West Ham could go from having one of the most prolific set-piece um, goals from uh, stat the year before to having next to nothing. And Moyes put it down to selling Dawson, which obviously was a factor because Dawson was great in, in the air and stuff, but it was one factor. I think the main factor was there was a, not a decent delivery. Now, I don't know why there was before because it was the same players and there wasn't this year, but something deteriorated. But if you get War Prowse in, I think Thomas Suchek would benefit massively from that as well. And if he can start to get you know, 10 to 15 goals a season from midfield, then whether he touches the ball four times or 25 times, you can you can have him in your team definitely and, and make an argument that he should start every single game. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I can't wait to see the stat that he touched the ball once but got at trick. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> but no, it, does, it does make sense, yeah. But yeah. yeah. Uh, you, so can't, the, yeah you can't put a price on a, a decent delivery of a football. You know, it should be a given that more players, especially if you play on the wing or even as a fullback, and Chris is a great deliverer of a football, you know, more players should be better at the delivery of a football at this level and we don't have that many so to have James involved in that with someone like Suchek you make perfect sense there we'd see more goals from him for sure if if, if Vladimir Shafal could cross he would be a world class right back he Mm. really would because defensively he's very good very strong reads the game well Um, he's disciplined yeah he's hard but for me the one thing he relaxes he lets himself down on is a good delivery Uh, like he, he floats it too often doesn't whip it and I think he he could really benefit from improving his crossing but anyway mm. um, worst signing um, the third place was Scabacar so obviously you're gonna, you don't agree but that did get third place and then it was between two um, uh, two players uh, so Cornet came second with 44% and then Ings won it with 49% I don't, I'm not being funny I think that's a little bit harsh on Ings you know because I don't think that he's been absolutely thrown opportunities at West Ham, as he as such. I mean, when and when it, it looked like we were going to reverse the idea of attacking football to go back to the, the counter-attacking style, the whole idea of Skamaka being the lead man and Antonio having a breather and coming on to cause havoc for the last 20 minutes of a the game, then it was a bit of a role reversal. When we went back to that system there was more of an emphasis on Antonio again. And he didn't show up for big parts of the season, but then came good towards the end, thank God. And then Danny Ings came in. Um, and I, I, I mean, I, I don't know how many appearances he had for West Ham. I don't know how many starts he had for West Ham last season. I'd be interested to know that. But I think that's a little bit harsh. I mean, I, I think, ironically, I think the worst signing of the season is Skamaka. And, mm. it's, and it's nothing to do with him as a player. I think if you go out and you spend that sort of money on a marquee signing and you don't use him because he doesn't fit the system that you play, I think that is an absolute waste of money. And no reflection on Scamsey, by the way. No reflection on him at all. But when you look at, from a transactional perspective, you've spent that money on getting a player that a lot of European journalists were saying, I can't believe West Ham have got him. And then you spunk him. For me, that that's the worst signing. What a waste of time. 
Mm. Waste of his mm. time, to be honest. Yeah. No, I, I think with Ings as well, he wasn't obviously a Moyes signing. He was a gift. And I think he didn't really fit the system as per with any striker we signed. And I think he, he needs to play as a two rather than a one. And um, maybe we'll get more out of him. The problem next season, the problem for me, though, is his age. You know, he's in his mm. 30s now. He's, he he looks like he's ageing, like both physically and in terms of his life. You know, it happens when you come to West End. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that worries me because it's not like Scamacar, who's 23, 24, and can, you know, you can argue he needs to settle in the country and put other factors to it. And still young. Ignis has played all of his career in England and he's in his 30s now. And he's on big wages as well. That signing does worry me and that's why I think for me he would win that that award. Mm. Um, so the great good point about his wages, by the way, I've forgotten about mm. that. That would definitely put him there or thereabouts. And you made you made some good points there. Um, yeah. I, I think I think for me, when I say about Skamika, and talking about being a worse signing, it for me also coincides with an overwhelming amount of disappointment because I really do believe this is a good player. And so I think there's a lot of frustration from my perspective as well as to why we've actually got a top quality player over the line to come to West Ham and just not used him the way we should have used him. Uh, so I think, you know, that's the reason I would give. But you, you make a, a fair point for, for Danny Ings, even though I don't think he was blessed with a load of opportunities at West Ham. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the greatest disappointment. Um, disallowed go against Chelsea came second. League form came first. I mean, I think we've kind yeah. of covered that in the previous um, yeah. one. So, yeah, that's similar, similar thing, really. Um, best performance was an interesting one. Um, some quite close to getting second place. I mean, fourth place was the 4-0 win against Bournemouth with 11%. Third place was the 2-2 Draw at home to Arsenal with twelve percent. Mm. The final, um, the the win against um, Fiorentina was uh, second with thirteen percent. But the biggest one um, with some distance was fifty seven percent, and that was the home one nil win against Manchester United. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Because I think when you look at performance, I don't think it was it was uh, an overwhelming blow me away great performance against Fiorentina. But but I think we all knew that it wasn't necessarily going to be because finals are a cagey affair and it's almost like a bit of a game of chess. So again, what are you basing this on? Are you, are you basing this on uh, the, the dominance of a football game, the electricity that certain players brought that then fetched a, a, a great result? So again, I think everyone's different in terms of how they judge this in their mind, you know? But the, the Arsenal one, I think when we spoke about this last week, X, I think... I went for Arsenal mm. because of the amount of character we showed to come back against a top quality side. And actually, when you look at the performance in terms of quality on and off the ball to get back to um, a level playing field after being 2-0 down, I think for me was visually the best performance. I think that was my vote. But obviously, you beating Man United, keeping a clean sheet and the fact that that was a, a good turnout from us as well. You know, again, no real arguments from me. Mm-hmm. And that that concludes the awards of uh, 
Oh, no, it doesn't. <laughs> there's one more. There's, there's two more. I missed it. There's two more. Sorry. Two, two more. Two more. Yeah, two more. Best current player chant. So in second place, it was, um, third place was Brazilian Magnifico. But I think there's a bit of a problem that we say Lucas Pacatar, yes. Lucas Paqueta, sorry, yes. rather than yes. Pacatar when it's actually wrong. Um, so that's a bit of a problem with that one, but that did get third place. Um, second place was just sold my car. Um, which again, doesn't make a great deal of sense, but is incredibly catchy. Um, yeah. And then in first place, significantly, it was seventy-two percent was Bowen's on fire. It's got to be, isn't it? It's got to be because, like I said in last week's show, the tune itself is an absolute fucking banger. Like forget, forget football chants. The tune itself is is just brilliant, and then the humour behind the song. And we've sung it at such key moments. Like again, even if you look at like full time at Prague and everyone's throwing their beer all over the place, absolute scenes, absolute limbs. And then all of a sudden it comes on the speakers and you've got thousands and thousands of thousands of West Ham fans singing that collectively. I just don't think anything comes close to it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not even saying it's, you know, the most creative song in the world because there's not many words to it, but in terms of the tune itself, and uh, and how it how it feels to sing it, I think I think that's a worthy winner that for me. Yeah, yeah, and and it's um and it's so significant now, isn't it? Like you know, it's got such oh, coverage because yeah. the fans are uh, singing it, the players are singing it. Obviously, he scored the winner. The fact that Danny Dyer is in the mail, Danny Dyer is talking about the significance of it to his, yeah. to his daughter and stuff. I think it's. Um, I love the I love the fact when he's asked about it as well. Danny says, "Well, I'll be honest. Most of the time when I'm over there, I will start the fucking chant myself." Yeah, exactly. And I, I love brilliant. that. He's I like excellent. the fact he sees it as a comp. You know, like the fact yes. that they're saying that, you know, Bowen's on fire <laughs> and he's shagging Danny Dyer. Like, it doesn't, doesn't get any better than that type exactly. of thing. So, exactly. Yeah, so it's, it's funny. And this is the last award of the season. And this is the most exciting thing about next season. Um, it was hard to kind of, like, put down options because I don't know what's going to happen next season. But obviously, there's a few things you can sort of guarantee. And, uh, and in third place was new signings. In second place was the current new signings having another year to settle and then a massive winner and it would have been for me as well is the Europa League 78% yeah I agree with that I agree with that I mean these European tours that we've been on and the countries that we visit and you know some of the things we get up to and the laughs that we have and the stadiums we go to and it's just nothing like it I mean listen I love an away day in this country I love an away day I much prefer away days to home days if I'm honest Mm -hmm. I enjoy both but away days are brilliant but European away days are next level. I know you'll agree with that, X. They're yeah. next level for so many different reasons. So to be part of another tour, for me personally, and I'm sure you'll agree, it is the most exciting thing without a shadow of a doubt. Can't yeah. wait. Yeah, no, me Can't too. It's, and I've looked at some of the teams that we could be playing. There's some, there's some great places that we could go to. I, I really want us to get an Italian team. Like, I know it's a, yeah. a bit, like, it can be quite rough out there, but I'd love us to get, like, the, I think Roma might be one of the options. That'd be interesting, particularly with our sort of, like, links with Lazio and stuff. So that'd be good. I'd like to go to Portugal as well. I know, that'd mm. be a cool country to go to for in a way. Another one in Spain. You know, it's exciting. Like, whilst going to Cyprus was brilliant and I've always wanted to go to Cyprus it's never been on the top of my like football destinations to watch a game in um, so that that and Belgium as well you know I went to Belgium twice this year mm. um, I'd like I'm looking forward to going to some like big like big teams yeah 
Yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. And there you go. So thanks to everyone that voted in these categories. As for the award winners, I'm sure they'll be over the moon. Um, <laughs> um, but before we go to X's section, we've got some exciting news about a new feature on the West Ham Way this summer. X, if you want to tell us more. Well, yeah, the West Ham Way. It's the transfer news. The West Ham Way have completed the exclusive um, two-month signing of a certain Sky Sports News presenter called Darmesh Sheth, who we all know and everyone knows Darmesh has appeared on the show for us before doing um into uh, doing a, a extra time uh, show. He has actually agreed to be um, our exclusive transfer uh, correspondent for West Ham alongside myself. So what he'll be doing is he'll be doing a weekly podcast with us where we'll reflect on all things West Ham, might talk about the odd transfer in the football world that's of note, but obviously the main focus will be on West Ham. So that'll be a weekly podcast that you get exclusively on this patron. He's also agreed that he'll send over voice notes with information as he gets it. Now, Darmesh and I do do this with each other anyway like we sort of share information as it is but this is this is a way where I'll say to him right mate what are you hearing on this and we have permission to put that on our on our patron as well which I can obviously add to and and talk about and so on and he's um and he's going to be available for us to uh, put any uh, sort of information any sort of questions about transfers to as patrons as well so it's an exclusive two month deal right up to deadline day he'll obviously still be working for Sky and still covering transfers and so on for them and talking about West Ham on Sky. But in terms of, um, for us, he is going to be doing an exclusive podcast weekly uh, where we talk about all things West Ham related and, you know, with me and him uh, being able to chat transfers, I'm hoping that those of you that find transfer season particularly interesting, you'll get a lot of knowledge and facts on what's going on in the West Ham world in terms of those transfers. So another feature added to your bonus uh, to your patron subscription absolutely at no additional cost as well mm, by the way yeah um we you know i'm not trying to play heroes here but we could have made this a separate show like the transfer show but we've uh decided to offer this inclusive to our patrons which i think's fantastic you know to see x and darmesh on the same transfer show i'm going to be gripped and locked in like everyone else is listening to the two of them talk i think it's going to be great and this will replace uh, the extra time show that goes out every Friday for the next two months, unless there's an absolute banger that gets dropped in our lap and then uh, we might treat you with two shows in one day. Okay, it's that time again. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.